welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. I'm just starting right from the jump today. So if you have questions, you can go ahead and put them right in the chat. Um, but uh, I want to make sure we're maximizing our time because I know it is back to school season and people are actually back to school, have to actually go to school tomorrow. So my name is CJ Reynolds and I run this YouTube channel called Real Rap with Reynolds. But it, this YouTube channel is, although my name is on it, my face is on it, is really more about this community that we are a part of, of educators that are, I don't know, trying to be the teachers that they always dreamed of being. So what we do is we show up every Sunday and we try to encourage one another, help one another, find answers for one another, be uh, just a place to, to, to unload with one another. Um, because Sundays are often for teachers like the most exhausting night of the week or the, or the most fear-filled day of the week. And so we are trying to set one another up for success for this week. So uh, we show up here every Sunday at 1 p.m. If this is not enough or you need more resources, uh, something I just want to put out to folks, right? Maybe this isn't for you. Maybe that you you know someone, though, that could use a little bit more help. So if you find a video on YouTube, share it with somebody. If you think that this live Q&A could help someone, hook it up and like let, let somebody know about it. Um, the book is available, Teach Your Class Off. Uh, the Real Rap Guide to Teaching doesn't have anything to do with rap, has everything to do with truth. Or I run mentoring sessions too. So like if you know someone that is really struggling, you can just go right to our website, realrapwithreynolds.com uh, and then sign up for mentoring through there. And what that's gonna do is it gives you one-on-one -on -one time and I'll break down your planning with you, your week with you. We could talk about specific children that you're having issues with um, or parents or coworkers and like unpack a lot of that stuff and then leave you, you know, my, my goal is to leave you wanting uh, or feeling excited, feeling like you have something to go back with so that you're not just, you know, it's not just a fear-filled process for you. So that exists as well. Um, before we jump into questions, if you could write question or cue and then put it in the comment, that helps. It does, it's not necessary. So if you forgot and you already put your question in, it's cool. We'll find it. Um, but my helper, Edie, who I want to thank publicly right now, people, I have a friend named Edie and Edie lives in Texas and Edie is my online partner and she helps me out with a million things. Um, and from, so if you've emailed me, you've, there's a very good chance you've heard back from Edie. She takes all of your questions on here is a new thing we're doing. She's putting them to a Google spreadsheet so my wife can pull them up so that that's accessible for me. So, um, yeah, Edie's she my is buddy. She's an integral part of our team. She absolutely is. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate that too. And uh, I don't want to forget Jake. Jake, I don't forget you. And Jake's having a baby. So, you know, if everyone Yay. didn't know that, now they do. Um, and you heard it here first. <laughs> um, before we jump into that question, uh, I just want to take a moment and say thank you to the folks that keep reviewing the book on Amazon and the five people that did it on Barnes & Noble too. But there's like... Uh, when you're on Amazon, you can like either just pick a star or the folks that are like taking a moment to like write a review or to leave a picture that really helps because the goal of the book is to help educators. And the more reviews that show up on there, the more people that leave comments, um, that pushes the, the book and the SEO so that like it's getting, it's showing up on more people's like suggested reading list. And that's just a way to help people, especially in the, in the midst of a year that is going to be or is already unprecedented in education 
it is giving, I think, hope and tactical, like, or not tactical. What am I thinking of? Practical strategies. I was really just talking to myself. Mm -hmm. uh, I was talking to the dog as he continues to lick his paw. Um, tips and, and, and ideas and motivation to go into the school year with. So that's all I wanted to say. Uh, you ready? Yeah, go for it. All right. Chris Chong is asking, I don't know why I'm talking like that, because I was thinking of Edie, and she lives in Texas. Chris Chong is asking, hey, Reynolds, what are your plans for the next few weeks to get ready for the start of school? So tomorrow we start professional development meetings, and we have those for two weeks before school starts. So my plan, what, I was, what I've really been thinking about, Chris, is – how am I, so I, I think we're 100% virtual learning until Thanksgiving. And then something magical happens at Thanksgiving. For those of you that are not in the United States, that is a holiday at the end of November. Um, and we, something magical will happen at the end of November, I'm sure. And coronavirus will disappear so we can go back to school. I'm just kidding. Um, I, I've been thinking more about how am I going to, like all these things that I do in my classroom that are that you have to be there to do so like when i do the odyssey the first thing that i do is and this is a trick from uh, my friend bob price told me this um to study first start the odyssey you get everyone in the hallway and then you do this thing where you tell them you're not allowed to talk you're not allowed to complain you have to do exactly what i say and if you don't do it you're you died right you, you no longer exist um and so I take the kids on a walk around the school, outside the school, on the wall outside the school. We're jumping over fences. We're going over gates. We're crawling under railings, going through bushes. And I'm walking fast, man. And you have to keep up. And so not all, I'd say maybe 75% of the kids make it. And then at the end of it, I tell them, here's the thing. Even though you did all that, you all just died. And so that is the basis. It's like part of the theme or... or or something that happens in the Odyssey, right? Is like everyone follows Odysseus, this crazy ideas this whole time, and then they all die. Spoiler alert, they all die before the end. And then we unpack that and talk about that. I can't do that live. I can't do a number of things that I do live. So what I'm trying to think about, Chris, is how do I get a part across like the ideas that I'm that I have in a way that is meaningful and that doesn't lose its luster? Because I think that. Although virtual learning is going to be, there's going to be some new tips and tricks that you do. And I saw this last year, but they quickly lose their, their flair. It's like, you can't come out and do the same thing every time. It's like the Carlton was funny because Carlton only did that dance every so often. If he did it in every episode, we'd be like, all right, bro, come on. Like we're just, we're doing that dance again. So um, I'm trying to think of a different way to do the Carlton throughout the year that makes it sustainable. That's what I'm really, and, and I'm prepping my mental space like crazy. Like we just had a talk the other day of like, what groceries do we need that are gonna be sustainable? How am I gonna sustain exercise through the next few months? How am I going to spend time with the kids? And so it's really about getting those things in mind and, and, and locked in also and not just uh, school stuff. Because school gets to reap the benefits of my mental state. Um, Mike D, Mike D, let me just tell you, because that's your name. Are you, you were just about to run. Um, we watched, and this is for some of you, you might not even know who this is. Um, huge, huge influence in my high school years was uh, the Beastie Boys, a group of Beastie Boys. Um, and I just watched the Apple TV documentary that they have the other day. Dude, 
It was so good. If you even like remotely liked the Beastie Boys growing up, it made me see, like as an adult, right, how impacted you, I was. You are still impacted by the Beastie Boys in a way that is, I think that was so deep like and profound like in your high yeah. school years that you don't even realize that i w as we were watching it and i met cj when he was in high school so yeah. about his senior I was senior year senior year so i saw so much of watching the beast from your weirdness to your humor to the smirk on your face to like yeah. a lot of what you do is yeah. very influenced it was kind of really surprising for me it, it was it was literally that was an like element that i didn't expect to yeah. to see in watching that documentary. And some, on some levels, it was like watching myself. It was. It was like. really hilarious. And, and looking back, it was like, oh my God, I wore that same outfit or I did the same thing or, yeah, it was just so, so good. From anyway. From clothes to the attitude, from wacky behavior, like, yeah, yeah. It's minus the like drinking and party part that they... Yeah, didn't drink and party. <laughs> when I partied, I just didn't drink. I just... But in that weird, like... Like that sabotage video just makes me think of you because that I think looks like something I would do going to school because you have an old wig downstairs that you wear in the basement and I, we don't Remember even need to talk about where that comes from the wig and the Remember beard. Remember, I had the beard. Yes, the fake beard. We still have it. I still have the beard. It's you gross. You put it on now. Marley when she was little. It's I did. Disgusting. I had. I couldn't grow a beard when I was younger, so I bought a beard at a costume shop and then I used to wear it places. And it had these straps. It looked super real, but I had long hair, so the hair would cover the straps, and so. People just thought I had a beard, and I would wear it everywhere, man. It was so embarrassing. That was great. But wildly funny. Let's get a new one. I'm going to go on Amazon Okay, today. let's actually answer All right, let's answer Mike's question. question. Any updates on the audiobook? Mike, there's certain things that I want to have an update on that I just don't have an update on. Um, the audiobook only gets made if the book sells a certain amount. So it has to be worth the publisher's... Their um, cost. Their cost. The part of the issue... And we're not there yet. With, with that is that we just haven't reached whatever that milestone is yet. Um, and so, and it's not a cost that I can offset right now. So like, I would love to just do a partnership with the, with the publisher and say, Hey, look, I'll pay for the audiobook, but it's like six grand to like make it like on my own. I looked it up and I just, I, it's not like money that I have that I know is going to be the ROI is going to be there. So like, although the investment is worth it because it's getting the book out to more people and, and it's helping folks out. But um, that, would, that would be really interesting. Mm -hmm. I wonder if we did a Kickstarter um, for the audiobook uh, yeah. or something I don't like ask that. People to donate to that, especially. But no, you you something. Ha I don't know what happens with Kickstarter. That's worth looking at. Okay. Because I think that you you get like, I don't know. There's, yeah, there's a certain level of investment. Like for people who invest, then they get think, like a benefit. I yeah, think we can read about like it. Let's check that out because okay. that might be a really good way to be able to do the audiobook. Um, yeah. So there, there's your answer. Uh, low, where are we looking at? Is there a question? Oh yeah, you're clicked on. As behind am I clicking? Sorry. <laughs> I don't know why, I'm sorry. Um, Logan is asking, any advice on teaching, are teachers teaching both online and in person? Time management piece is exhausting. So Logan, mm -hmm. I think, here's the thing. Quick caveat here. I am not in your position. I don't work at your school. I don't know what the ramifications are of some of the things that I say sometimes. And I'm being real about that because I don't even know what the ramifications are for me sometimes, right? Like, like I, I say and do stuff and I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble, if someone's going to push back. If like, So that being said, I think if I was teaching a hybrid model right now, 
so there's two different models I'm thinking about. There's either like group A is in this week and then next week they are learning virtual and while group B comes in in person or you are synchronously teaching kids in the classroom and then somehow recording that and that is going to kids that are at home also. There's a couple of things I'm thinking with this. One, if I'm teaching kids that are in class sometimes and at home sometimes, like they're swapping weeks, I am doing zero work with the kids that are at home. That whole week that I have them in person, I am setting them up to do something that they will then continue when I get home. So maybe that's a project and Monday through Friday, we're working on that project. And then the next week they're going home and doing it. When they come back that next Monday, they are getting, they are handing in whatever work was due. Um, and then they are, you know, I'm still accessible for the whole week whenever they need me to get help, but like, I'm not teaching anything else that is going to cut your life. So I, what I would do is try, find a way where I'm group a does that, right? I set them up for success. I don't know what group B is doing right now. They're doing something else. Um, they, they're in some kind of holding pattern. Group a does something, then they go home and do, uh, they do like virtual learning while they're virtually learning group B is doing what a, group A just learned. So I'm only creating lesson plans every other week. And I think that that really offsets the work because you are then, um, you're then, you know, not, you're not double planning. You're not running two things at once. And there's too much other stuff going on right now, right? There's too much other, too many other obligations that the school needs us to do or that life needs from us right now to to work like twice as hard as we normally do to to, to because someone made up this kind of arbitrary rule of how we're going to learn um oh, it so is really thinking about go ahead logan said uh just a, an additional caveat he said i have to make daily videos for the remote learners and teach as usual for the in-class students so i bet it's not at the same time but it seems like he's doing <laughs> That's the problem with that method. It's like two jobs in one that they're putting on teachers, which is crazy. Yeah. <sighs> so I've been reading a lot of Tim Ferriss lately and the really interesting thing that I have connected is he's a huge proponent of the MED system, which is like your minimum effective dose. And I've realized that is how CJ operates in everything that he does. It finally like clicked, I think, for me. Yeah. You've been telling me this stuff forever. It's like, no, just do 10 minutes or you, you know, like yeah. you have all these little tips and tricks, yeah. but I think that- Floss two teeth and then- Yeah, but I don't think that you've gotten there yet for online. I think once you get in yourself, you're gonna figure that out because that's what you do. Yeah. That's your teaching method is like figuring out what's the the most effective thing that I can do to get the result that I need to get with within the shortest time frame of how to do that. hundred percent. And the, the reason for that, and the, and the thing I, I think that's worth diving into there is look the, a lot. And I'm not saying every school cause I don't know every school, but I know that some of the folks I've been working with through mentoring and whatnot are being asked to do things that are just, they're not sustainable. And it's because teachers constantly feel bad that they are not doing everything that is like asked of them exactly the way that it's being asked that we then all of a sudden feel bad about ourselves, right? So, or, or we think that we're not working hard enough. 
um, that if you finished your work early, it's like, wait a minute, I must have missed something. I didn't do it all because I'm not completely and utterly exhausted and drinking myself to sleep at night and, you know, uh, gaining 50 pounds and, and, you know, whatever, like just eating takeout all the time. School shouldn't be that hard. So it is looking at what is actually needed and then creating something. So I might even create a video that is, I would just say the, there's a hundred different ways to do this. But I'm just thinking in one example, what if you made a whole video for like, and I don't know how long your videos have to be or if there's like a minimum for that, but let's say they're three to six minutes is what the, the, the science is showing that students will be like just about 100%, 95 to 100% like dead connected to what you're saying. Their attention span is there. If you made three minute videos, you made five of them. So that's 15 minutes, you know, some math from the English teacher there. Um, of straight through, right? Like you're, but then you tell the kids, okay, day one ends now, right? But then, uh, so they have to just stop it or pause it. And then the next day it just pops back. Like they just play that same video and it just goes for the next three to six minutes or whatever it is. Then you're not editing. You're not doing any kind of fancy stuff. It's essentially you doing what you do in front of the classroom. Um, but on a video, I clearly, love edits and green screen and overlays and music and jokes and all that stuff. That's why I put all that stuff in my YouTube videos because I like watching that. It is not sustainable to make five of those a week. It just is not unless that's your job, unless that's the only thing you're doing. And even then, that's a big ask. We all know that as teachers in class, some days your lessons are on fire. You have, there's all kinds of stuff going on. There's music playing, there's costumes, there's, we're reading in, in weird locations. We're doing all kinds of fun, crazy stuff. That's not every day though. That's not every day in my class. And so it's, it's about letting yourself off the hook. And then I think there's some level of just knowing that this year just might not be what your other years were. It's about finding a new normal and knowing that, look, we're all doing this together. We're all going through this. We're all trying to figure this out. And so if you're, if you were batting a thousand before, and now you're batting 600, 700, you can keep learning, keep trying to figure out. I'm not saying don't grow. I'm not saying give up. I'm just saying that having grace for yourself, that the game changed. You used to play basketball on the court. Now you're playing basketball with a video game controller. It's not the, exactly the same thing. So giving yourself grace for that, I think is is what's needed. There's a lot of people in here that said that that's how they're teaching as well, like that same method yeah. and it's exhausting like for them. Rob um, said he is the same um, and he's expected to push in-person instruction and then push it out to virtual students. Yeah. He says, I'm gonna try to record like eight to 10 minute blips and then push that with virtual assignments. So, which is supposed to be kind of the same as in-class work, but. yeah. That's, that's a lot for teachers, It is, man. And, and, and it's, and so. And then all the phone calls, emails, check up on this and check up on that and check up on that. That's the stuff that so I find really funny me, that you're going to like whittle down, I think at some And point. let me break this down real quick. Let me break down real, real quick. Um, because I think that there is often, uh, an idea that everyone else is doing better than you are, right? Like as, as educators, I feel like we, it is this kind of Instagram culture of like, you see what everyone else is doing and you're like, damn, like. Did the computer just die? No, it was at oh. 100. Um, that you are, like everyone else's life is going really great. Right now, in my life, uh, my dryer just broke. I fixed it, which I don't know how to 
fix appliances, but thank God for YouTube. I fixed the dryer. It broke again. I got, I finally ordered a dishwasher. I'm so excited about it. I got it about four weeks ago. It's still sitting in my kitchen because the guy that was supposed to hook it up never hooked it up. Um, so now I got to pay somebody else some ridiculous amount of money to do that. I have uh, a root canal on this side that I need to have done. I have a tooth extraction on this side that I need to have done, but that costs an exorbitant amount of money that I also do not have at the moment. Um, school's going back to virtual, but I am in my laundry room with no door between me and the kitchen. And there's nowhere else nowhere else in my house that I can do this from. So during the day, my wife can't do laundry. I don't know how we're cooking and, and interacting in the kitchen, which is, you know, like every other house. No, is our back to school place. list is um, a door. A door. That's what, that's we my back to school. Uh, you know, so <laughs> maybe I'll do like a, a like back to school I hall. Like we need from to show Home people Depot. like what that door like, like, yeah, maybe if we didn't like have dishes all over the counter right now because we have a dishwasher that needs to be installed and it's and, and we're in the midst of a lot of stuff. There's so and and a hundred other like family issues that are just kind of ongoing, right? Like or the fact that my dog won't stop licking his paw right now because his pet meds have been delayed like for weeks now. There's just stuff going on. You add school on top of that, and now you are it is a recipe for disaster. So although schools are asking for this much to go above and beyond and beyond and beyond, this is you. what I think we have to do is really look at what's being asked, figure out what is the best way for our students and for us to have the best case scenario this year, and then figure out how to make that fit the shortest amount of time that you can to prep, to, prep, to plan, and all of that stuff. It is not about not giving it your all. It's not about giving up. It's not about loving the job or, 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 or having a passion for it or for the kids, but to be sustainable. If you try to run a marathon at a sprinter's pace, you are going to fail. You have to, you have to pace yourself on some level. And some look, some people's pace is better than others. Like it's, it's all different, but it's about finding what works for you and then saying, this is what works for me. This is what I can do. That's what I got, bro. That's that's what I got, and and so that's what I'm. That's what I know is gonna. It's gonna come down to this year for me as well. Um, Rich is asking. That was long. That was. We spent a lot of time on that. Oh, there's a lot there. Yeah. I, you could spend the whole time just talking about that. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, how are you handling so much? Cheating is going on online with online learning. Students are watching YouTube and playing video games while I'm teaching online. Uh, feeling very disrespected. So that's Rich. So some schools I've That's read in really like our Facebook group, like some were saying, or I don't know if it was the Facebook group or like another teachery thing that I was just reading because I read lots of teacher stuff. Um, they said that theirs is all monitored by like whatever spyware that like their tech people are putting in so they can monitor all of that. Oh, that's so dirty too. Yeah, you can see like what they're doing on their, that, that's crazy. But It's crazy. And it's crazy as a teacher. It's as crazy as having like a camera in your classroom while you're teaching, right? Like, um, and I think, or, or the folks that have to record everything and then upload it to Google Drive so that yeah. people can see what they're seeing and saying. Because then you're putting students on record for everything they're sharing, for their vulnerability. Like when we're asking kids to like be vulnerable or to ha talk about social emotional stuff, then it's all being recorded. Fair questions to ask yeah. because it's recorded. So I, Rich, this is how this is how I, I run stuff in my class. Um, you, I, I, I cannot control whether or not students are going to be on YouTube, whether they're really paying attention, whether they're thinking about swimming pools, whether they are on their phone playing video games or whatever. Like I, I just don't know. 
what I can really try to communicate to students is a couple of things. One, this is an unprecedented time that we're living in and that we are going to try and make this the best that we can anyway. Two, I need you to enter in as a willing participant in the thing that we're doing. So I'll try and make class as engaging, as interesting, as fun, um, as challenging as I can, but I'm not trying to beat anybody over the head. I'm not trying to make this incredibly difficult year because I know that students are dealing with a lot at home because we're not in school. And so that can be really, really difficult for, for students. So um, keeping that in mind, if class does become this minimum effective dose of, of education, right? You need to be present. And if you're not, that's on you. Like, I'm not going to reteach it because you were on YouTube. I'm not going to reteach it because you were playing video games. I'm not going to reteach it because you were pretending you were paying attention, but you were really had two screens up and were watching something else or doing something else. I'm just not going to do it. Now, if you don't understand, if you had a, if your ADD got the best of you and you're like, bro, I'm sorry, I wasn't paying attention. My cat's sitting on chasing a fly on the windowsill. I get it, man. That stuff happens to me all the time. But it's about feeling it out with students and then knowing you get to start to know a sense of like who's actually paying attention and doing the work and who's not. Um, but I think that we have to make it an accessible amount of time for students. So right now we are expected to teach 45 minute live classes five to six times a day, completely unsustainable in my opinion. The fact that we would look at a computer and be doing something for that long just sounds bonkers to me. So what I'm planning on doing, and I'm not sure that this is the move, I, I, I don't find out more this week as we go back to school, but it's like, I'll teach for like five to 10 minutes about what we're doing, set it up. Yo, I'm letting you go come back on in 20 minutes and I wanna see like where you're at, what you're doing. So like, I'm not monitoring you, I'm not watching you do the thing, but I'm trusting that you're doing it. And if you don't, if you choose to do something else, that's on you. That is, so there's a level of schooling that is, you know, that school is very, very, very much like you dropped your kid off at a personal trainer, but that kid doesn't want to exercise. What is a personal trainer to do unless the kid wants to exercise? So you can lead a horse to water. You can't make it drink, but can you make it thirsty? So can you create a space, a time, a moment on camera where you are, kids don't know what they're going to see. Kids don't know what you're going to come dressed up as, the background looks like, the music that's playing, the fact that you're teaching upside down, the fact that you're teaching on the railroad tracks or in a park or next to a pond or underwater or whatever the hell you, I don't know how you do that, but it would be cool. Um, hook up a GoPro. Uh, but if you can create that engagement, I, my, in the past, what, how I've won in class is not by winning every single kid over. But if I can win 80 to 90% of the kids over, I find that the other students more than likely will jump on also because they want to see what's happening is because there no one else wants to hang in the back and just talk to you because everyone else is doing the thing. But that requires me to create something that shows, look, can we note, I'm trying to do something different here. I'm trying to make this side of my laundry room as engaging as possible. I'm trying <laughs> to make the best out of this. And I think that kids will often honor that. And if they don't, that is their choice. It is nothing to do with you sometimes. And look, and I'm not about blaming kids all the time. Like I think that like a lot of times when teachers blame kids, it's probably the teacher's fault, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's like, bro, you're trying to, you're trying to feel this out. You're trying to see what you can get away with. And I'm telling you right now, it's not going to happen. 
because I need to hold you to a standard because I love you so much. I care about you so much. I feel like this is so important that I'm going to make you do your own push-ups. A personal trainer doesn't lift people up when they're doing pull-ups, right? Otherwise, that's like, you know, playing with your dad. It's like, you got, I'll stand here and, and coach you, but you got to want to do the pull-ups, bro. But let's talk about why we're doing pull-ups. Let's talk about the importance of doing pull-ups. Let's talk about what that does to your body, your mind, your spirit uh, from doing pull-ups and doing them consistently and growing and changing and becoming a better person. Because uh, if I can get you to buy into that, you might actually actually do the pull-ups. Um, Miss, oh, Edie, you're a wonderful human being. <laughs> Predesk, Predeskit? Predeskit. I'm going to go with that. I'm not really sure that I'm doing a good job on that one, but uh, uh, we'll go with the question anyway. Um, Hi, Reynolds. Thanks for everything that you do. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. And, and thank you for even being a part of this community and showing up on a Sunday uh, when you could be, you know, I don't know, watching TV. Uh, now I lost my part in the question. Um, what can you advise to teachers afraid of feeling judged or those lacking confidence when addressing teenagers? This is, this is, let me just say one, um, this is such a great question. It's so important. And you're a, like not even close to being the only one that's dealing with this. I think confidence is the name of the game in education. It is the thing that if you're going to be Dave Burgess and walk into a school with a pirate outfit on, or if you read his book with a poodle skirt on, there is one of two things going on there. You are either crazy as hell or you have mad confidence to rock that thing. Um, my brother has a mustache, right? He looks like, he looks like Magnum PI. He lives in California. He's like surfs all the time. He has this dirty black mustache. But my man, he just walks around. It's not a big deal. It's not like a thing. Like it's, he's not trying to impress people. He's like, nah, I got a mustache. And, but he just wears it with such confidence all the time that yes. it's. I always say, I think confidence is one of the number one most attractive qualities in like when you're looking for anybody in anything, in any, whether it's a relationship or partner or business partner, like yeah, whatever, whatever it is, it's that confidence level that is like. I, it just like reverberates out of people yeah. that do it successfully. And I, so I think confidence is built. I don't, I don't, I think some people are born with confidence. Maybe. Um, I know that it is the number one thing that we have instilled in our children that like, I have probably screwed up as a parent more ways than I can count. But I know that on some unbelievable level of stuff, my kids have mad confidence. Um, to a, fault i think sometimes because brody is so brody. brody just walks with like swagger all the time and i'm like bro he gives no shit he, he gives anybody. zero shit so here here's how i think you do that it doesn't just show up like so i'm i'm by nature a very confident person in certain areas of my life um but that has been cultivated i was really shy kid my whole ninth grade year i didn't talk to almost anyone because I was, first of all, I was too busy getting my ass beat every day. And two, I went through this phase where I thought everything I say is not important. Nobody cares what I think. Why would anyone care what I think about anything? So I had like this very solitary year. And that went till like halfway through my, like maybe not halfway, but like into my 10th grade year where like um, from, I'd say from 7th to 10th grade, I just, that's how I lived. I just didn't think that I was important. Um, but when you start teaching um, you're either going to be 
the teacher you always dreamed of being, I don't know what that meant, but the teacher you always dreamed of being or, or, or whatever the default version of, of the teacher you're going to be because you're chewed up by the kids because you're chewed up by yourself because you're chewed up by what other people think and stuff like that. I think the way you get out of that is by slowly building in things that are a little bit crazy, right? And noting it. Look, guys, I know this is a little bit crazy. Um, and not everyone is going to think you're cool. Like some kids think it's funny when I come to school with like my tiny little hands or my, uh, my gorilla arm or any of my other dumb stuff, like my microphones, and all the crap you see me using in videos. Some kids just think it is, they're like, yo, you're an idiot. You're like, and like, get mad at me. They're like, you're so stupid. And I'm just like, I appreciate that. That's, that's my mom used to tell me. And you're bringing back all the memories. Thank you. Like, it's just like, I just answer it with something ridiculous. It is. So I think that when you can get into that mode of play, I think play is really important. Um, when you can get in that mode of play, then you just kind of stop caring or you start seeing that it's winning some kids over. So I think there's a couple of things going on here. One is focusing on the kids that it's actually having an impact on. So if you do something in class and you're trying to, um, you're trying to, I don't know, do, any, I, I, and I'm going to go a different way with this in a second. If you're trying to do something fun and there are kids that hate it, you have to focus on the kids that are going to love it. Like you're not going to win with those other kids anyway. Like what, what am I going to do? That's going to win over a bunch of haters. Nothing. Why do I even care about that? I'm not interested in that. Um, I'm trying to win over the kids that I can win over the kids that are showing up to school that want to learn, that want to do something, that want to get better, that want to grow. And then, like I said, usually other kids jump, jump on board eventually. Two is building relationships. Um, so if we're talking about discipline here and you don't have the confidence to tell that kid in the back, bro, I need, I'm not going to tell you, talk to you again. I need you to stop talking because in talking, this is what's happening. This is why this is problematic. Um, this is the problem of you touching other people or screwing around or doing whatever you're doing, right? So there's, uh, if you lack the confidence there, a couple things to remember. One, kids are kids. And so they do things that they're going to try and challenge you. They're going to try and push your buttons. They're going to try and see what you would do. And there are, there's just ways to handle that. I, I think that it's like, it is making a decision that, um, that they are also just kids. There's also a way of, I think, handling things where you take the power back. And some of that for me, from my personality, because I deal with humor so much is dealing with things like, um, I was talking to someone yesterday and telling them about someone I used to work with kids were like unrelentingly mean to this individual. This teacher had a really, really hard time, came in with all the passion in the world to be a great teacher but the kids just pushed his buttons because they saw how angry he would get all the time. So one time he was standing at the door, greeting all the kids, shaking their hands, welcoming everyone to his class and this great thing that he had planned that day. And he had his coffee cup on his desk and someone took a condom and put it over the top of his cup. And this was like the thing that broke him. Like he came into my room, was extremely upset, was like, you know, how could they do this? And like, I give everything and this is what they do. And now that like, I can't drink my coffee, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, I would just go to the front of the class and say, guys, can we like bring the coffee cup and say, I, we have to talk about this. Um, cause if you, if this is what you think condoms are for, there's, there's going to be a lot of unwanted pregnancy this year with people. Like this is not where condoms go. And like, but, and look, some people can do that. And some people would never do that. The point of the matter is, is to figure out a way to take that power back from students that are trying to like, they're trying to flex in your class, right? They want to see what they can get away with. The other thing is, building relationships with those students 
helps you get to the root of what's happening. No student is just lazy. I just don't believe it. I think that students that we perceive as lazy, we're saying that, but there's really an underlying thing going on there. Like, like folks that are, are, are overweight, let's say, are not just overweight because of no reason. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that you don't believe that putting in the exercise is actually worth the benefit. So kids might look at your class and think, this is not actually worth anything to me. And so it is our job to explain our why, to communicate with students why this is important, why I need you to be quiet while we're taking a test, why I need you to stop touching people or not chuck, you know, your trash across the room and get into the trash can. Like that's problem. Let me break it down for you. But it is having these unrelenting conversations with students and also building relationships. You learn that some kids are dealing with trauma. Some kids have been told their whole lives that they're not worth it, that they can't do something, that they are no good. What's up with this computer, man? Um, that they, there's all these things that could be getting told to a kid for the 15 years that they were alive before they showed up to your class that you have to now deal with. And is that fair? No, but it hasn't been fair for them either. So helping kids to know that you really care, that you're going to explain why, that you're going to try with your class no matter what, even if it's a tiny thing, little bits of madness, little bits of magic. That's why we call it sprinkling magic and not dumping magic. It is <laughs> having this little bit of goodness in the day and then building relationships with students is going to help students to see that you care and that you're really about what you're saying about. Are you really going to be about it? Or are you leaving like every other teacher did, like every other adult that has, uh, like the people that told me that they loved me. And then when they really found out who I was, they told me to like piss off or they just stopped paying attention to me or whatever. Once you can get to that place with kids, I'm telling you classroom management is no longer an issue. Here's the thing. I'd say the majority of kids you do that with, it will work. There's, I'd say about 10% chance that it's not going to work. And that's because some students have been deeply wronged. They need more help than, than, than you can give, but then it's about finding resources to help connect that student to a counselor, to a therapist, to someone in administration, to a trusted person that they do get down with and, and kind of like either handing that kid off or working in tandem with those individuals to help create a space for that kid um, where they can get to some of that stuff where they can work some of that stuff out and then get to work in class. Um, so, yeah. Um, there it is. It's like, gee, sorry. Uh, Manel is asking, I'm a student teacher in, I'm a student in, in teacher training. Sorry. Can I win at all when I'm reading? <laughs> I'm a student in teacher's training school. I'm asked to do an assignment about error correction strategies in language classroom. Any ideas? Could you please help me out? Yeah, so I, I think, um, if I'm reading this right, but no, I would say anytime that I am correcting anything of students, one, I don't correct for everything. I correct for like a small number of things, between one and five things I'm looking for at any given time. And then that can, that can grow over the year so I might like my first assignment for the year, I might be looking for like two things, right? I want to like look at basic crap. Like, dude, is your spelling on point? Are you punctuating things and are you capitalizing stuff? But then I break it down and tell kids, let's talk about like, did you even ever wonder why we capitalize certain things? It wasn't just some arbitrary idea that someone was like, no, we will capitalize names and pronouns and beginnings of sentence words in the beginning of the sentence. 
the reason is to to it it is like a, a, a visual clue or cue to show you that something's important to note we are beginning a new sentence. There's a capital letter and there's a piece of punctuation at the end so you know how to read that. Was it a question? Was it a statement? Was it a, you know something that got you excited? Um, and then if just like with capitalizing people's names, right? We're capitalizing so it stands out to you. And so that's part of why we do that. And so I'm sure there's a whole hell of a lot more history there, but um, it's being able to break down why we do something. When someone gives me a paper and they don't capitalize their name, bro, let me tell you something. You're important. Show it and capitalize the letter. When you say I am, you know, going to be a basketball player one day, I needs to be capitalized because you know what? You're important and you are going to do that thing. So capitalize your I, bro. Like, what are you trying to do to me here? And your story is important. Let's talk about punctuation for a second. Punctuation is important because if you write six sentences with no punctuation, I cannot grasp what you're saying. You are asking me to decode what you wrote. This isn't graffiti. This isn't mumble rap, bro. So I need you to actually clearly communicate because I want to understand you because what you're saying matters because your words, your story, your thoughts and feelings and emotions about something actually matter. So stand up tall, write clearly so everyone knows what you're saying and we don't have to figure it out later. Um, because no matter what the rest of the world told you, you matter, you belong everywhere and I wanna be able to understand what you're saying. So to me, it's about breaking down the why and not, it cannot, cannot, cannot be, it's on the test. Um, you need to know this when you have a business, when you're in business. None of that, that is all stuff that no kid's actually gonna care. Now that might be true, but no one's going to start doing it because they were like, I never, I never thought this would be on the state test. You know what, Mr. Reynolds, you have changed my mind. We're going to, I'm going to start doing that. It has to be because you have to get to like a, a thing that kids care about. And that is going to be why you would do something. Um, so yeah, I just think that that's, that's the move. Um, what do you got? John Lopez said Latin was written with capital letters and no spacings between words. John Lopez would I love know his that. knowledge on like rando stuff. But I don't think it's random. I think it's something he he was he's down with writing. Oh like, John Lopez is John Lopez is awesome. Um he is the nonviolent Hannibal Lecter of the like if Hannibal Lecter like wasn't a psychopath, like and just all the things that you you like about John uh, about Hannibal Lecter, right? Like <laughs> he was like could just draw. He had a, an appreciation for culture it's and really like soothing to listen. Yeah, to. yeah, just yeah. like just like that <laughs> that thing, right? He's like it's like the most thing. It, basically, Hannibal Lecter is the most interesting man in the world, but he kills people. So you take that part out. I think it's John Lopez. A <laughs> man does calligraphy. John, I swear that was a compliment yeah. in there. <laughs> He's like seems like a great teacher, right? He does calligraphy. He has all these interesting things that he does and that he's about and like yeah. when he sent us like all these books and like um the lord of the rings book or the hobbit in latin and stuff i'm like yo yeah. you know john lopez just sits down with a really nice glass of beer with some beautiful music More on beautiful he's reading the hobbit in latin <laughs> it's just like you know he's probably like caring for stray puppies and stuff like that it's just yeah he's awesome okay all right anyway this i don't know this name but uh edie googled it so Edie Googled this name, but I'm not, because I wouldn't be able to say it um, well, with the regular spelling, because uh, it's not in English. Uh, Google is saying that it is Eulalia. Eulalia. So I think I'm saying that right. If I'm not saying it right, I really apologize. But, and it's Google's um, fault. 
But Google, I mean, Edie looked it up. She's so wonderful. She is. That's what I'm talking about. Um, how to find balance between work and life. I've gotten so many classes this year. I'm feeling like uh, I'm going to live at the school. This is a great question. Uh, and it is, it will never stop. Even if you're not, even when we go back to like regular kind of school, when we find like a new normal, I think the way that you get through all of this stuff that's going on, right? So like, if we, like, if we just take a, a step back for a moment, right? Let's talk about this for a second. School is, oh, yeah. It's Julia in Russian, she said. Julia? Yeah. Bam. But you nailed it. I don't know. It's fascinating. Look at it. I don't, it's like even magical looking. Mm -hmm. um, Sorry. Keep so the, if you look at in the U S right now, like, so, and I'm saying the U S because this is my experience this is my world that I'm kind of my bubble that I'm living in at the moment. There is of course the pandemic, of course, school that's affecting school and it's affecting going shopping and it's affecting my kids ability to play with friends and all that stuff. Right. So that the pandemic is, is, Boulder number one. On top of that, everything that's happening within the, the presidential election and, and political world right now, where it is like, you know, without my me sharing all of my politics and getting into that, it is kind of very much like a circus right now and kind of wild and crazy. And, and I only see what I see on YouTube. Number two, and that has a lot of people feeling some type of way. Then you put on top of that anything else with regards to Black Lives Matter, with regards to All Lives Matter, or Blue Lives Matter, or all of the stuff that's coming up about that and this polarization of our of our country because of that sort of thing. And then anything else that's going on in your, in your life, whether it's you need a tooth extracted also, or, or you're dry or broken, you don't have any clean clothes for the last five days and you know, whatever. Um, that is all real. So there, I heard someone say that on, in a study, they said, that on a scale from one to 10, whenever you're driving, and I'm doing a lot of this today, I don't know what's going on here, but wherever you're, whenever you're driving anywhere, you're already at a seven. That's why when someone cuts you off, you curse them out, you yell at them, you flip them the bird, you do things that you wouldn't do if someone walked in front of you. You wouldn't be like, yo, where are you going? It's like, you're doing that because you're already on seven. So thinking about that, going into school, and what number are you already on because of all the stresses of the world that we're living in right now anyway? To me, that's why I talk mindset so much. So I think how do you affect mindset right now in the midst of all this stuff is... Our boy's just eating. He's just eating bread right out of the thing right oh, now. Oh, he's eating peanut butter and jelly. All right. I see you, bro. Um, <laughs> sorry for the shuffling. But the, the point that I'm making is... Um, I think that the best way to work around that to find balance is you have to actually break your day down. I actually put things on my schedule as sad as it sounds to when I wake up in the morning, it is literally, I have a schedule, pray and meditate, right? It gets my mind in a certain place to read something good to, bro, you have to turn that off, buddy, because you're going to get me demonetized because I can hear that. Oh, sorry. Thanks, buddy. Um, they, Brody's playing a show in the other room and if it gets picked up on here, then YouTube will hear it and it'll demonetize my video and my kids got to eat. So, um, it is going to school and doing the school day. It is a hard out. Like I don't stay at school forever cause I could, cause the work's ongoing. It's never ending. You're never finished all the work that you have to do. It is giving yourself a hard out because I think, I really, really believe that a lot of tasks take as long as you give them. So if you give something um, you know damn well that if you're 
if your parents are coming to your apartment and it is a hot mess in your, in your place right now that you, if they're coming over tomorrow, you know that you have all day to clean. It will take you all day to clean. But you know that if someone's coming over in 10 minutes, your mom's like, yo, I'm coming over in 10 minutes. Why don't you just come check you out real quick? Because that's what moms sound like in my head. Um, then you can get it cleaned up in 10 minutes, right? It's called Parkinson's law. An activity takes as long as the time you give it. You know that in college, that if you had two weeks to write a paper, it takes two weeks. If you forgot, and now you gotta do it the night before, you know you can get that paper done. And you've done it before, and I've done it before, and it's just how it works. So it's like, um, giving yourself that hard out makes you work more effectively and not screw around because you're doing that thing. I also do things like um, on my schedule, this sounds sad, I put playing video games with my kids or going out with my kids or taking a bicycle ride with my kids. It's actually on my Google schedule during the year or it's written on my schedule that I wrote for the day. Um, taking a walk with my dog, having a glass of wine with my wife at night sitting on the porch, watching a show, and then I have a hard bedtime I think the other thing that really has helped me in the last year or two is really, I can make a whole video about this, maximizing the quality of sleep that I get. So I bought a new mattress, even though it was more expensive than I could really afford, I did it anyway, because I knew that it was gonna, the, the ROI was there. Um, it was putting blackout shades in my room so that it was really dark, so that there was no light, and every other little light on my TV, on my printer, on my, all that stuff has electrical tape over top of it. Um, and I take CBD oil at night. Um, which I'm currently out of and I can't get because of the friggin' pandemic. But anyway, um, that has increased my quality of sleep. So then I'm just in a better mental place and everything I want to get done is done because the balance has been set in stone on the calendar. So I know when I'm doing it, I can't do more emails now because I gotta walk the dog and I only do the thing that I'm doing at that time. I never multitask. Ron Swanson said, don't whole half ass anything, whole ass everything. So, that's a tattoo I should get, a whole ass. Yeah, people just hear um, my voice for a second because I think every time they hear my voice, they're like, oh, it's Brody. It's Brody. Everybody loves Brody. Tracy Pinter's probably going to say hi, Brody. Oh, my gosh, Brody. They're like, and I like their jam. I'm like, yeah. the kids, <laughs> always, like, I'm like the dog at the house. Like, when you're chilling, like, yep. oh, there's little dogs. I love you, man. Right there. Okay. Um, I want my uh, okay. okay. Mike D is asking... Any tips are good activities or questions to get to know your students if you're doing virtual learning? Mike, I think it is being mindful of what kids are into now. And then the, so I, I, I plan to start it like this. What uh, shows are you watching? What YouTubers are you watching? What, who, like, what's the best TikTok that you saw in the last week or something like that? Like one that was really funny or really, you know, moving or whatever it was. Um, and who's someone on Instagram that you just like think has the most interesting account to follow? Asking questions like that is going to elicit a response from students that they want to give because everyone wants to have the answer that nobody else has. And then when they share that stuff, it's now your job to go watch that content and to, to consume some of it so you can ask questions about it. So like I know that if I was in school right now, everybody would be talking about the new Batman trailer. So I would have to go watch the Batman trailer and then go into school and be like, yo, real quick, before we even get into the lesson, I watched a new Batman trailer. What's the deal with this? Or what do you think this is? Or who do you, what character do you think this is? Or is this tied into the comic books because there were those weird owl people in there? The kids that are stoked about that are like, bro, you like took the time to learn the thing or to watch 
air the last airbender or to you know check out i don't know whoever's tiktok account or to watch a swoozy video on youtube like when they sh when you show that you're willing to get into that world they'll start sharing more and more and more you'll get to know the kids more and then you start building that relationship as being the person that was daring enough to go into the world of students um before you ask them to come into your world of education uh piano boy is asking especially for remote learners this is my buddy um what advice do you have on empath on emphasizing to students to turn in work got some students who aren't turning in work and my only form of contact is email and calls i think with kids that don't turn in work um i set a precedent that there is only a certain point at which i will collect work and so this is tricky in a virtual world because you don't know what like other things kids are kind of going through at the moment or, or what life looks like for them so it is trying to get to the bottom of that but if you know that it's just kids that just aren't turning in stuff because they're not turning in stuff i don't do late work in my class and i don't do makeup work um and i do extra credit like if you go above and beyond on particular assignments or you hand in something early like i'll, I'll tell kids that ahead of time but i don't do extra credit like oh crap i have a 10 and the marking period ends in two days can i do anything to bring up my grade no i don't do it because i think it sets a bad precedent and what that shows I think it shows kids in class that are showing up and consistently doing the work are then showed like, oh, all you had to do was cry at the end of the trimester or the end of the, the marking period. And you could get that kind of love. And look, that of course does not go without grace. Um, there are kids that have had really difficult years that have gone through a lot of stuff that I know there's something else going on there. And I think having that conversation with students and then helping them figure out a plan for success is always important. But it is also about helping kids to learn how to fail and then helping them to grow out of that failure. And so that's, that's the mark that I'm trying to be. It's not just about me being cold. It's not just me about like wanting to be right or, or standing my ground for no reason. It is about trying to communicate with students that I think that, um, look, you took a chance. You didn't do the work and guess what you got an F. Um, if you didn't work, I tell kids, it's kind of like working a job. There's 40 hours to work. If you only showed up for 20 of them and then I gave you your paycheck and you're like, oh, wait, that's only this. I thought I was getting $200. I only got $100. Can I get some extra hours? Yeah, but you can't go back in time. Like work 100 extra hours next week and then see what happens with your with your paycheck. And, I, and I'm willing to have that conversation. How can we up the game for next week? Like make sure that like this, if this assignment's turned on on Wednesday instead of Friday, I'll give you extra points on it. If you do this extra part, I'll give you extra credit, but it's not... Like I don't, I'm not materializing new work. So, and then it's about, um, communicating that with families too. I think just letting parents know that like, Hey, look, so-and-so didn't turn in this work. Tomorrow's the due date. Um, or the, or the latest that I'm going to take it. So please make sure that they have it in tomorrow. That creates a paper trail and it creates, um, a way that you can go back and let, you know, when admin eventually comes to you and asks you what's going on. It's like, look, I've been communicating with mom or dad or grandma. I've communicated with the student to no avail. So that, that exists there too but uh it's a sad thing to give a kid a zero on, on an assignment sometimes but it's if you if for the right reasons you know that it's for their better their betterment um and you really believe in that then it gives you that stick to itness that you need to, to kind of um to stay with with that that mindset um james clark is asking opinions on placing opinions on placing black lives matter posters somewhere in my virtual background i'm white and i don't want to seem edgy but i want 60 percent african-american students to know that i'm with them so james um first of all 
let me just put it out there. Um, I have friends that are, that are black teachers that are putting those up behind them and they're told by their schools they're not allowed to because they think it's a political stance. Just something to be mindful of. It is not at all something that I would let stop me from doing that. Um, I love that idea because it's not, look, certain folks will stay away from that because they, because they feel like it looks a little bit too edgy or you're swaging, you're trying to diminish your white guilt or something like that. But I think if you know that why you're doing it, it is then do it, right? Like in my room, I have um, a giant drawing on the side of my wall that is a bunch of fists that are raised and the fists are all different colors. Um, and then there's one that's rainbow also, because I want to send nonverbal cues to all of my students to let them know that you're accepted, that I love you, that I care about you, no matter where you come from. And I don't even have to agree with some of your things. So maybe you support someone in politics that I don't, maybe you get down with a religion that I'm not even so sure is, is how I feel about that particular thing. It's about giving kids a safe space to show up and explore and express who they really are. And I think when we can create nonverbal cues, like whether it's a poster, whether it is um, a book cover, whether it is just books in your room that students can see themselves in, I think it sends a message to people that I belong here, that I'm accepted here, and that um, that this is, a, this is someone that I can really like, uh, that's got me if, if I need it. Um, so I think that that is always the move in every situation to let kids know that kind of thing. Um, oh, oh, you didn't move down the next one. Babe, sorry. you're clicking. I'm not. Come on, I'm, girl. Sorry. Um, let me get this quick drink before I do this. Ebony Reed is the next question. Mm, I just applied. I'm sorry. That wasn't fully digested yet. Um, I just applied for a special education paraprofessional position. I want to do this to get classroom experience and then get my certification to become a teacher. Thoughts? I think it's a great idea, Ebony. First of all, anybody that works in special education is basically like, I don't know, like an angel or something like that. You have a lot of patience, I have, generally. Yes, and it, it is, is going to put you in a position to really care for all kinds of kids going forward. Um, I think being a paraprofessional is, is such a good idea because it's giving you actual experience. So that when you're sitting in class, most of us go to school for educational certification or for degrees, and it's all theory. We don't have anything to base it on except for our own experiences in high school or, or grade school. So by you actually being in the classroom, you can connect those theories to actual learning moments or actual experiences in the classroom, and it can only benefit you. It's, it is the number one piece of information or advice that I give people that want to be educators that aren't yet is find some way, some way to get yourself in front of children and communicate with them, whether that is as a summer counselor at, at a camp, whether it is tutoring, whether it's volunteering your time at a school or babysitting, even like something where you're interacting with children and that's going to really inform your practice. I think it's a really wonderful idea. Um, F Weber, uh, don't do that. We'll silently read that. Okay. <laughs> okay. So any, so read the next part. You can read the name in that, that actual part. Okay. Uh, any advice for my virtual introduction to ed class, community college student wanting to be a SPED teacher? So I would say 
first of all, I love community college. Um, if I could, I would just, I would love to partner with like every community college. Um, cause I just think it's such a great institution. Um, virtual introduction to my ed class. I would say one is why do you want to be a teacher? Um, being very clear about that was, was there someone that inspired you? Was there no one that inspired you? And that's why you did it. Um, it is, I think talking about what is that you hope to do in education? Like what kind of teacher do you dream, um, of being? And then, uh, I think sharing just a little bit about yourself and where you came from. I think that even when you start teaching, those are the things that I communicate to my students every year, why I'm here, what I hope to achieve this year. And then you need to know a little bit about who I am because what I would be looking for in that class are people that you can partner with, right? Same as we're talking about here online. It is about connecting with people that um, are the same kind of crazy as us. The people that like people like us do things like this. People like us show up on Sunday afternoons or Sunday nights or Sunday morning, wherever you live in the world and, uh, and spend their Sundays talking to one another online. We do things like join Facebook groups, like, like our Facebook group, Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk and posting things and then going in and answering the tons and tons and tons and tons of posts that are in there with like almost 4,000 people that we have in the group right now. There's so much activity all the time. And it's like, you all just got done teaching all day online, virtually, or in some kind of crazy manner. And now you're spending your time talking about teaching online and helping other people. Like that's what people like us do. And so <clears throat> in that class, I'd start looking for the people that you want to surround yourself with. Um, because you are, in fact, as Joan Ro Jim Rohn says, the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So looking for those crazies and then locking in with them and just be, that's, that's where the gold is, I think. Uh, the Billings is asking... Our school already has loads of kids out for possible exposure and teachers are being forcibly relocated to online school uh, they made this year. During these times of high stress and anxiety, how can I keep my team's spirit up? Um, I think that, that, man, that's a great question. Because I, I think that so many schools, and I, I'm not trying to like speak this into existence or, or just like or anything. I just think a lot of folks that ended up going back to school are going to quickly realize that like they need to go to virtual learning. Keeping people's spirit up is I think a couple of things with what's in your power, creating autonomy in the classroom and letting people know um, that they are of course supported, but that if thinking outside the box and doing something a little bit differently is going to help students succeed and help teachers succeed, that they should do it. I think really pushing self care and whether that's creating space for that, like doing Zoom meetings where you all like, you know, grab a bottle of wine or everybody's watching the same show on Netflix and you all you check in once a week or something like that because everyone watched the episode and then we're just going to talk about that. It is, I think what that does is it, that act right there of, of building connection and building um, space for yourself, clear space in your brain to be able to show up and be a better version of yourself when, you're, when you are in the classroom. And it's also... Um, I think that when we have relationships with folks at work that are strictly work and there's no play, there's no fun, there's no laughter, there's no communication, there's no story there, then they're just kind of sterile. And so it's a lot easier to go to someone that you have wine with once a week or coffee with once a week. And you just have like, you know, Hey, we have coffee and eat pastries on Sunday mornings together. This is what we do. It's really fun. It's for an hour. Um, that 
builds a story there and then it is it makes you more accessible as a leader for people to to communicate with you and then just letting people know that no matter what you need i got you like i'll do anything i can to try and help you out in any moment that you're in the best people i've ever had as leaders are the people that have let me know God, it's like doing a trust fall with someone. They actually catch you. And then you're like, oh, all right. Now I know. Now it's game on. Now I, now I feel like I can take the risk to try the thing, to, do, to move forward, to be a little bit nuts in class, to, to try this idea because you know that's not going to blow up in your face and someone's going to point the finger and blame you that, that you know that they have your back. And that's been the best leadership I've ever had. And when people don't do that, dude, done with. Like, I, I don't know how to even approach that situation because you've dogged me, you've stabbed me in the back, you've talked shit, like whatever's happened um, is the opposite of that. So I, that's that's what I would say. Uh, Summer Tate, my buddy is asking, I wanna start this year off right with parents. It's discouraging to read comments attacking teachers on social media. I made a website and I will start sending out weekly updates, anything else I can do. Summer, this is a great question. And teachers are dealing with a whole lot of stuff right now. Um, because they think we're putting an unnecessary amount of blame and uh, responsibility on teachers that belongs elsewhere. I, I think that as a parent, um, it is, I think this is an incredibly anxiety ridden time for parents as well. And, and by that, I mean, like if, if you had to work, but now you have to stay home because your kids are home. If you don't know how to do geometry you don't know how you don't remember how to do algebra you don't remember how to do fractions and or you didn't your education didn't go that far right like you didn't even you dropped out in the sixth grade right like we have parents that like just haven't had education for a really long time or didn't finish school or something along those lines it, or your struggles are the same as your students right like yeah. i'm yeah so yeah but th that feel makes parents feel powerless and like they are now put in a, in a position of responsibility. Like the reason people send their kids to school is to get educated so they don't have to do it, which means they don't know how to do it. Like parents don't know how to teach all the time, man. It's not in, something that's intuitive to everyone. So I think that allowing parents to know that you care, that you only want success this year, that you'll do what it takes to get their kid to where they need to go and to help parents navigate these waters of trying to maybe help educate their, their kid or when the kid has a question or, or there's a problem. It's about opening up lines of communication and became, becoming a trusted resource for parents as well and knowing that we're getting through this together. That teaching is a communal activity and, and expressing that to parents, I think what that's gonna do is help parents feel more relaxed, feel more confident and feel like they have a, they have a partner to go through this with and when you feel like you're partnering with teachers and it's not like it, it, it's you're not butting heads you're not it's like not like brody's best teachers were the ones that realized his differences and would say like look the school requires that i give brody this much homework and i just do this hand it in and i got you those are the best people that you were just like thank you because we've been sitting here for two hours doing what took everybody else 20 minutes took us two hours to do at the right. end of it my kid's crying he's depressed he hates school he doesn't want to go anymore he hates life it's like we saw it in our child and awful. so going to the teacher and we knew we were going to make those switches anyway like i already decided on my own that i'm like i'm not doing this anymore you know what i'll do every night i'll do 20 minutes of homework and we'll get done what we can get done but that's it that's the cutoff 
That and was then, so difficult for me to understand as a parent. I wanted to be the rule follower of what the teacher wanted. Yep. And that was gut-wrenching for me. It was like this. I finally just gave in and was like, okay, if you think that that's what we should do. But and when you talk to a teacher difference. that said that, like when, and I don't want to say anyone's name because I don't mm -hmm. want to put them on blast, but like the teachers that would be like, oh, look, Brody's doing great. He only, just do these three problems yeah. and that's it. It was like, yes. It was a relief. You get me. You understand yeah. my situation. I think that that is, that's what I would be communicating with parents. Um, what do you got? We're, we're at about an hour. Yeah, we have just a few um, So just, you know, uh, I'm not going to be able to get through all the questions. Um, and the reason for that is uh, because we're going back, like I go back tomorrow, I want to try and like keep this at like as close to an hour as possible. Not my... Not my summertime hour and a half, two hour jams I was, I was doing. Cole is asking, um, the high school I teach at has dedicated five to 10 minutes time of being at the beginning of every, at day. The beginning of every day where kids are at a designated homeroom with a teacher. How would you take advantage of this time? I think Cole, it, that, I would use that as a check-in time. Whether that's kids in a chat or kids talking live, it is creating a space where kids can um, share what's going on in their lives, share the difficulties, the things that they hate, the things they're excited about, the fact that, you know, whether it's the, how the NBA season almost ended, the, the fact that um, that they, you know, some new album that came out, some TikTok that they shared, like, what's going on in your life? What are you thinking? What are you feeling? What's exciting you at the moment? And then I would bring things to share also. So, Right now I'm watching, because uh, I never finished the series, I'm watching Peaky Blinders. I would show up and just say, hey, does anyone watch Peaky Blinders? I'm watching this right now. Um, and then this is what I like about it. Uh, I watched the Beastie Boys documentary the other night. Uh, I'm going to watch the Tribe Called Quest documentary this week. Um, I've been really interested in any number of things in culture or in books or in podcasts and talking about some of that stuff and then giving kids space to share too. What I think it is, is it's, it is creating a space where kids can feel seen from the jump um, or get excited or laugh or find someone likes the same weird thing that they do um, or put them onto something. So you're creating that space in the beginning of the day that is good for that kind of thing. I, and look, there's a hundred other like really good uses for that time. Like it could be to check in with kids to so look at their grades and, and, and look at how they're doing. It could be to... Um, you know, to, to do those kinds of things also, but I think I would just keep it really informal and make it a communication time because I think that with all that's going on, getting kids to that place where they can talk, where they can share, where they can laugh, where they can have like five or 10 minutes of just silliness um, or, or connection is going to really help them in their day. Uh, whereas if we're just instructing them on anything, even if it's the history of hip hop or, or video games and how they were made, like if you're instructing someone it's just another class that you're in. So instead, putting the power in the students' hands and letting them talk about whatever they want. Okay, I'm going to try and get you through these last three ones. Okay, cool. So I'll try and do these quickly. Chelsea Garcia is asking, uh, I just started student teaching and met my students uh, and will meet my students tomorrow virtually. How important is it for me to introduce myself? What are the most important points that I should touch on? Chelsea, I would say... This is why I want to be a teacher. I'm really, really excited to do this. And I want to make this year the greatest year ever. And then a short bio on who you are, where you came from. Like, where were you born? What trips have you been on? Where have you traveled to? Which is the same thing as what trips you've been into. Um, what are your hobbies? Do you have a dog? Do you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend? Do you have, uh, do you, like, where do you live? Where do you, 
see yourself teaching in the future, you're giving kids a glimpse of who you are. Um, and that makes you a human being and not just the person that like stays at school and sleeps here and I think Birdie's playing Fortnite and screaming. Um, so that's it. Uh, best of luck to you as well. AB is asking, Mr. Reynolds' question, how were your grades in school when you were a student? What was your attitude about school and college and when you were a student? And what did you like or not like about school? Thank you. Pauls, I just want to say before you answer this question, I, I, I love this question for you because I know what the answer is and it's, a lot of what propels you to be the teacher that you are and how you teach and the way that you teach. Yes. And not only for you as like a student, but then also seeing our children that don't fit in the traditional school model yeah. and like how much your teaching style would benefit them. Anyway, go ahead. Um, I never liked school ever, ever, ever. I think that I am amongst other things, an undiagnosed dyslexic. And so I think that, and I think there's some processing, like maybe auditory processing, some, something else in there or, or ADD or something along those lines. Um, again, not diagnosed, uh, but I do have the internet. Uh, so it is in, in learning, knowing that I don't learn the same as everyone else, it, school was never a fit. I never really understood. I could work as hard as possible and it just didn't, I didn't find success. Um, it was like trying to hit a nail in with a screwdriver, right? It, it just didn't match up. How, what I did love is my friends. And especially in high school, I'd say from fifth grade on. Um, I, so I'd say fifth and sixth grade, especially friends are what made me show up to school every day. Like if I was sick, I literally was like, I didn't want to miss what was going on in school. Um, seventh through ninth grade was particularly hard. And I talked about that a little bit earlier because I just dealt with like a lot of bullying and I was really unsure and I didn't have any confidence and stuff like that. And then bam, 10th grade, the confidence kicked in. Um, but that was because I learned that uh, even though I can't fight and I still can't fight, um, my words were really powerful and I could get myself out of a hundred different situations. And that humor was both attractive to my guy friends and to the girls that I liked. And so that I found it was like this kind of superpower that I like just showed up overnight. Um, I never had a teacher in my life that made me want to teach. I, teaching wasn't something I even wanted to do until much, much later in life. So I literally went to school for the social value of it. And because I liked my friends and the people that they were, and they really, especially in high school, were really challenging to me. They helped me really grow. They like, I literally, and they don't even know this. I accredit the people I hung with in high school so much with the person I became as an adult, like on such a deep, deep level. Um, that they might have zero idea that they had any, any impact on that. Um, I think, what are my attitudes about school and college? I think that it is a lot of fluff for, uh, for what it needs to be. I think that we don't focus on enough. I think we focus too much on tests, too much on grades, too much on nonsense and not so much on students and what do students need and how do they need to actually be taught because we get caught up in all this other stuff, um, which is why I push relationships and I, and I have like four basic things in my class that I want you to do. I want you to read more, I want you to write more, I want you to speak more with confidence and I want you to be able to actively listen to people. That's basically my whole class all year uh, as ninth grade English. And then I teach the history of hip hop because I wanna teach you through the lens of something you already care about, something you'd already be interested in um, and then win with that. 
Uh, the the flip side of that is uh, what do I like or not like about school? Um, I like up until now, we'll see what this year looks like. Um, I've had an incredible amount of autonomy in my school and I, and I cannot be more thankful for that. The idea that my leadership would just say, go do it, go try it, go see what you can do, like, like run with it and, and see what happens. I love that. And so I am not trying to be a teacher that I had. I, I don't have an influence that existed that I wanted to be. I'm trying to be the teacher that I was needed. Um, and that's what I think all of us here are trying to do. We're trying to be the teacher we always dreamed of being because we want to be I, I, what I'm doing is looking for ninth grade me I'm looking for younger Reynolds that struggled felt like no one could communicate in a certain way and then being able to try and figure out a way to communicate to that student so they can find success um that boy is asking I feel like that's a student's name in like in my phone comes up when they text me so I don't know if that's you or not it's but. not it's, this is Matt oh, oh Matt all right so Matt here we go um, hey Reynolds, my name is Matt. Uh, this is my first live stream that I've caught. Fantastic, man. Welcome, welcome to the show. Uh, now I'm losing my spot. Um, anyway, I've been working as an after-school counselor at an elementary school, and one of my students in my group was diagnosed with leukemia. How do you deal with the emotional struggle of sick students? So, first of all, I'm really sorry to hear that, um, and for like a thousand reasons, but that's really difficult kind of deal with and, and I've had students over time that have um I don't know that how many terminally ill students I've had or students that were dealing with something like that just then but I've dealt with a lot of death of students and then the aftermath of that so like a student is shot and killed and then like how do you as a school community come together to be there for your students um I think you know uh, let me sh let me share it this way uh when I was 21, my mom, so my father passed from, died from cancer when I was four years old. My mom got lung, or was diagnosed with lung cancer when I was 21 years old. Um, in the beginning of that, everybody supported us. Everybody was around. All of my friends were caring and showing up and giving and bringing over food and all this stuff. I subsequently quit school, the band I was in. Um, every, I quit everything in my life except for my girlfriend, and that's just because she wouldn't leave. But now we're married. Um, I... <laughs> stayed home with my mom for the five, five and a half months that she was sick until she died. In that five or six months, I'd see my friends were around for about two weeks. Um, after my mom died, no one knew how to deal with me. No one knew how to, to talk to me. No one wanted to stay in that sad place because no one else's mom had died. Everybody else was looking to, to cheer you up and to, um, and wanted to just like go be like, let's go back to normal now. Like they wanted to get back to normal and I wasn't, I couldn't be. And it took about 10 years to really kind of get, and I wouldn't even see get, completely get over, but like, that's when I like, it wasn't like a punch to the gut every time I thought about my mom. Um, that, that was my process anyway. I think showing up for people that are going through anything, whether it is a disease, whether it's a loss of someone, whether it is, you know, some kind of struggle in their life, whether they just have depression or they just feel out of place is remembering that your attention is better than your advice and showing up time and time again, creating space for that student, for their friends, for people to talk about their feelings, to talk about how they think, how they feel, the fact that maybe they're scared about what's going to happen, to talk about their hope in the treatment, to talk about what it was like, like, what's your process like? Where are we, where are we at right now? Like, what's, uh, are you going to the doctors? Are you getting 
tests done? Are you getting like, are, like what's the procedure? I think without being, um, coming off as sort of nosy or, or trying to like, uh, you know, I don't want to cross any boundaries, <clears throat> but my guess is that child does not probably have enough people in their life that they can just be open with and honest with. And when we can set up for the long haul of that, that is really going to help that child out. How do we deal with that? Has to be a mental game. It has to be, I think it is getting locked in the things that are going to fill you up. So that's for us, that a big part of that is being a part of the church that we're a part of, of being a part of a lot of the programs that happen within the church, of being a part of like praying and meditating every day, of journaling, of being grateful. Um, because that is such a heavy load to bear. I try and balance it out with goodness. So it's like, being thankful, e even the way I eat sometimes when I'm going through things like that is like savoring things. Um, going for runs that like when my grandmother passed, uh, just not that long ago and I had a run and it was like raining and it was the winter and it sucked. I did it or because I knew my grandmother couldn't or, um, last year when we lost a young man that was a student of ours, uh, to gun violence, um, I remember running in the winter in like blizzard conditions, like where it was like, like snowing, but just like furiously, like not even deep snow and doing it with such a level of anger and frustration that drove me because I knew he couldn't do that. He'd never do that again. And like, that was my outlet for, for the anger and for the, the anguish and the heartbreak that I felt was knowing that this couldn't happen anymore. So it's about finding those outlets too, because you want to be able to show up and just be there for that kid. And let me say this, you don't have to show up as anybody special. You don't have to say the right thing, do the right thing, be the right thing. So all that uncomfortability that you feel, right? What you're doing is just creating space for that student to talk if they want to. And then knowing that a week, two weeks, a month, six months in, if that situation is still ongoing, you're still showing up. Do not ever, 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 ever stop showing up because you just don't know if that student has a support system on the outside of this that might be that like, like, I think we, we assume that they're taken care of. It's going to be all right. It's okay. You have a friend whose mom died six months ago, check in on her. It's really, really important. You have someone whose kid died 10 years ago. How you, can I just ask how you're doing? How, where are you right now? Like what's, what's going on in your life? And all you're doing is asking questions and being present and then li literally willing to sit in the mud with someone else. That's showing empathy to someone instead of just feeling bad for them. That doesn't do anything for anybody. Just showing up and being authentic is what's going to win. Um, so look, gang, I have school tomorrow. So we're going to cut it off there. I'm going to spend some time with the kids tonight and with my wife for life over here. Yo, girl. Um, so next week we'll be back at 1 p.m. I'm really excited to come back and kind of share what's been going on this week. Um, really quick, another quick thanks to the people that keep leaving reviews on Amazon. I appreciate it more than you know. And it is, it is like, it is when I'm having a tough moment in my day and I just need a hit of dopamine, I will go and read like a new review on there. And it just makes, it just, it is a life giving thing to me. So I really, really appreciate that. Um, that's it gang. I hope you have a wonderful week. Uh, that's it. Peace.